Hey everyone, Dr. Tim and Hillary for another session of Dr. Tim's Aquatics Podcast. How are you doing this morning, Hillary? I'm doing great. It's been a crazy morning. I had to take my pig to the vet this morning. It's, it's an experience. <laughs> and how's the pig doing? He, he's doing good. I hope, I don't know. It's, it's going to be like a full day procedure. So we'll pick him up at like five today. So pig is not going to have a good day. I'll have a quiet day. He probably won't be happy once he gets home. Just like kids. They don't want to go. To it work. works out. Cause I've got some. Exactly. I mean, well, I wouldn't want, I don't like going to the dentist, so I can't complain, but All right. And it works I, out because it gives me time. I've got a water change to do on my 180, so I'll get that done today. Okay. All right. And uh, last week you were in San Diego teaching kids. Always. It was. It was very exciting. I've taught classes on Zoom before, but this is my first, was my first time teaching in person. So uh, fourth and fifth graders, we got to teach them about scuba diving. So it was pretty, pretty exciting. And they always have questions. Sometimes some crazy questions that you just want to start laughing about, but yes. Okay. So let's get going. Um, on our question, it's a question and answer today, right? Yep, it is. I've got about 14 or 15 different questions for you that have come in from all the different streams from YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and I think a couple from the info emails. So let's go ahead and get started. Yep. Number okay. One. I followed the directions in your video about how to fishless cycle a tank exactly, but my cycle stalled with ammonia reading of two ppm for going on two weeks this does not seem normal or right bro why so remember the directions don't guarantee an absolute time frame because every tank is different because water is you know the water in different parts is different what people do and set up and everything is different if your tank is got a constant ammonia level. It's not going down. Assuming you're not dosing anymore, then first thing I do is measure pH. Now, the doesn't say whether it's fresh water, salt water, Hillary. No, it didn't. Okay, I would guess. I would guess it's fresh water. As we've talked about before, um, when you're doing a fishless cycling and adding ammonia, you're adding a fair amount of ammonia. The ammonia is converted to nitrate. During that process, hydrogen ions are produced, which causes the pH to drop. If the pH drops too low, the process basically stalls. So always look for the simplest answer first, and that would be to do a pH test. If the pH is low and low, basically anything below seven, then uh, 
do a big water change, but don't change the filter material. Don't disturb the substrate because that's where the bacteria are. Just take water off the top of the water column and uh, do a big 50% uh, water change. And within 24 hours, you should see that pH drop or that, I'm sorry, you should see the ammonia drop and uh, everything should get back to normal. Now, if it's a saltwater tank or your pH reading is, you know, 7.58, the pH value is good. Then the next question is, do you have a lot of organics? Because organics decay into ammonia. And so it seems like the ammonia is not going down, but what's happening is the tank is producing ammonia. And the number one ammonia producing um, product, I guess I would say, in newly set up tanks is live sand. A lot of live sand it comes in with lots of organics. And if you opened it up and it smelled and you said, oh, well, what do I know? If it's maybe it's good because it stinks and you use that, that's a good indication there was lots of organic decay and that is producing ammonia. Again, a water change will help and that should stimulate the process. But those are usually the two uh, big things is that your pH is low and or you've got live sand that's producing organics that's actually adding ammonia to the system. Even though you're not adding ammonia drops, um, the system is producing ammonia on its own. All right. Okay, sounds good. Actually, that that leaves me questioning. I feel like so I'm I'm about to do a move, um, a fairly decent size tanks, and the best safest way to move everybody and to make sure that they all make it alive. So you, you were talking about the sand. I've been debating like, do I want to take the sand with me or do I just want to get new sand when I get to where I'm going? It's very tricky. Well, since you are lucky enough to get an employee discount on one and only, I would say don't move the sand. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but actually, seriously, if you're moving, don't, don't, don't take tons of water. The bacteria are not in the water. So don't, uh, don't bother shipping a bunch of water unless you really, unless your fish need age a certain fish that just don't do well in brand new water. But, you know, even in your case, Hillary, you've got a lot of tanks. You're not going to move four or 500 gallons of water, I'm assuming. Um, but if you have, <laughs> yeah, if you have fine sand and you start taking it out and it's black and you can smell hydrogen sulfide, save yourself lots of grief and just throw that away, put it out in the garden, wherever, but don't take it. It's just going to cause you lots of problems once you reset up your tank. If you've got some nice coral substrate, coral rubble, you know, crushed coral, what I would do is gently rinse that to get a lot of organics out of the system. And then you could take that with you, the bacteria, nitrifying bacteria, stick to the particle are you you know so yes you're going to lose some 
but you want to clean out the organic material. You don't want the organics in a, a bag incubating as you drive wherever you're going for a day or two and uh, breaking down. So rinse it well. And I'm not saying take a, you know, a vacuum washer or hose and really spray it. Just, just rinse some or all, you know, if you, depending on what you're going to take, whatever you take, you should rinse and then put that in a bucket or bag and you can tr use that I mean, just as long as it keeps damp, it does not have to be underwater. Just as long as it's damp, it'll be good. If you can, once you get to your place and you set up your tank, uh, spread out the gravel or you know, the substrate, the coral rubble, whatever it is, add water and get some water circulation in there. Don't be surprised if the water turns a little cloudy because you've got that there's always going to be organics there. That's going to cause a bacterial bloom. Add some aeration and then add one and only to take care of the ammonia that's being produced by the decaying organics. And if possible, add your fish the next day if you can keep them in some tubs or something with lots of aeration. And all I should have mentioned three or four days before you. Uh, leave or tear down the tank, maybe stop feeding your fish, depending on the fish, but fish can go, especially if they're big fish, they don't have to eat every day. And if you uh, withhold food, they'll clear their guts, they'll, tr they'll um, transport a lot easier because you're not putting as much waste product in the shipping bag or buckets or whatever you're doing. And you have less stress on the fish. So don't worry about starving them unless they're super small or a really, uh, you know, small fish that swims a lot. So they're using a lot of energy. They can go a few days without food and then slowly increase the, the feeding once you get in the tank. But it's all about organic and ammonia management when you set up these new tanks. And don't forget to dechlorinate um, your water. Exactly. All right. That's, that, that's a good point. I was talking to somebody and I was like, yeah, I don't think I'm going to feed my fish. They're like, oh, you need to have food for the road. I'm like, no, nah, I'm probably not going to feed them while I'm on the road. Like I don't need to be adding waste to the buckets that they're in and causing more issues for myself to deal with. No, that's basically killing them with kindness. Um, you know, I've transported <laughs> fish, but it is because you say, you know, we got to eat. So we're on the road. Yeah. But we're, you know, not stuck in a, in a bag or a bucket in our, in our waste. So, uh, I've shipped fish around the world. Um, you, when your fish come in from overseas, um, they're not being fed for a few days. So the, you, what you should do is increase the feeding to bulk up the weight of the fish, you know, uh, before, and then two or three days before you're going to turn or tear down the tank, stop feeding during transportation. Don't feed the fish will be fine. Resist that. Cause as you just said, you're just going to put waste into the bucket or, or the bag or wherever. And that's just going to make things worse. Your fish will be fine. Yep. That works out. He's my cowfish is going to be really excited that he gets extra food. I just made a new batch of beneficial two days ago so he'll be extra spoiled until we move yeah cool all right back on track i got us a little bit derailed on that one question number three 
would you recommend leaving out all mechanical filtration while cycling with this bacteria? They don't specify which bacteria. Um, that way, the only thing they can get stuck on is the substrate, rock, and biological filter media. Thanks. Yeah, that, that's a good question. I think we've seen that before. And um, definitely leave out the filter sock. Any, any fine filtration material, I would definitely leave out. Um, and if, if you're using a sponge, I would leave that out. You can leave that out for a few days. It doesn't have to be the entire you know, cycling of five or six days, assuming you're using our bacteria, because since our bacteria are on a substrate, they're going to settle into uh, the substrate of the tank quite rapidly. So for a couple of days, that would be fine. The one thing we do get this, and I don't, I never see Hillary's questions before she gives, you know, she gives them to me. Uh, so I don't know if this is coming on, but we get this, you know, I, I've got my tank and I left off the filter and I've got nothing running. That's the wrong thing to do. You need the water circulating. You need your filter on. Uh, and then people get filter socks confused with everything else. A filter sock is the micron filter socks. We have pictures on our website or Google it. Not, not all tanks. It's mostly saltwater tanks with a sump that comes with the filter sock. Everything else you want to, you can leave in there because that's going to be a substrate and you definitely need the water circulating in your system. Yep, absolutely. Make sure you do have water movement. Okay, question number four. I just came out of my three-day blackout. I'm dosing, dosing waste away now. The dinos are gone for now. Hopefully it resolves, but my alkalinity is sky high. My corals are stressed because of it. I don't want to do a water change because it will spark the dinos again. What should I do here? I'm stuck between a rock and a hard place. Thanks. So my first thought is why would a water change cause the dinos to come back? Um, I'm not, I'm not sure why that would happen. Um, ways to lower alkalinity. I'm assuming this tank has lots of corals. Um, you can uh, turn your, well, if you keep the lights on a lot though, you're going to, that's going to really uh, spark the dinos because they're photosynthetic. So you don't want to keep the lights on a long time. This is a tough question, you know, because I would say do a water change. I'm trying to figure out why a water change would would stimulate dinos. Now, if you're doing a water change where you're um, uh, stirring up the substrate or somehow releasing nutrients, that might do it. But um, could it be possible? I don't, I don't, this is all the information I have, but could it be possible if they are making their own RO water, like their filters are bad, that that's causing issues? Yeah, that's where I was headed was there, if, if your water, e either you're not using our, you know, good water and that's what's causing it, or there's something wrong with your, uh, 
with your RODI system and your water is not as pure as you think and there's, there's an issue there. So I would check that out. But really the easiest thing to do is to do a water change to reduce the alkalinity because chemically reducing the alkalinity in a marine tank is going to be so be hard because you have lots of calcium and magnesium in there. I mean, there are chemical um, and resins that can do it, but you'd have it would cost so much and you'd have to use so much um, that a water change is the way to go. So I would say get better water. <laughs> to do your water change or, or test, test your, your water coming out of your RO unit. Um, you know, is it, is it zero? Does it have nitrates, phosphates in it? Um, or e even chlorine. Cause you know, a lot of people don't understand that before, if, you, if you're using city water, you need to have a carbon activated carbon in front of your RO unit because chlorine will destroy the RO unit's membrane. So if your system is old and you haven't changed the activated carbon, I mean, it'll last a long time to remove chlorines or chloramines. But if you don't, or you don't have that, your RO unit may not be uh, producing the quality water that you think. Yep. You know, and to that point, a lot of times I realize that I need to change my filters in my unit because I start having issues with all sorts of water quality stuff. I'm like, what's going on? Oh, wait, I haven't changed my filters. I didn't set a reminder for that. So if that's what you're doing, maybe check that. Right. And I mean, the follow-up might be, well, how often should I change my filters? But it all depends on, on upon where you live, you know, the input water into the system. So um, there's no, there's no set answer to that, that you should change them every three to four months. It depends on your input water and it depends on how much water you're, you're using. If you use a lot of water every week, your filters are going to not last as long as someone who doesn't obviously use as much water. Exactly. And one good, like you can use the TDS meter, but you can also like a lot of them are color changing. So keep an eye on it. You can visually perhaps see when it's time or past time rather. Past time, yes. Okay, moving on to question number five. I set up my yesterday and followed everything you said, but my ammonia reads between 0.5 and one. Is this okay or should I start over? So yeah, the problem with this question is we have very little information. So we've got to make assumptions and it's never good to make assumptions. But the assumption is that this person has added the one and only and that this person added um, our ammonia chloride as prescribed. And since his ammonia is between 0.5 and one, you said? Yep. Uh, yeah, after one day, there's nothing wrong at all. This is great. Because you know, if you dose following our directions, you're going to be around two. So already in one day, you're, you've, your system's removed 50 to 75% of the ammonia you added. So congrats, it's already working. 
wait another day for that ammonia to drop. Make sure you're measuring nitrite and that's being processed and then add a second uh, dosing of ammonium chloride and your, your cycle is on the way. Ooh, that, that was a relatively easy one. I like that. Well, with those assumptions, yes, but that's all we can Fair, fair. Yep. And as always, if we answer your question, but there's something else that has come up, feel free to send us a message or um, give us more information. We are always happy to chat with you and give you more detailed, tailored yeah. answers. And, and when do that, um, when you're submitting a question, we don't want an encyclopedia, that's for sure. But we do need a couple of basic things. Um, freshwater or marine, water temperature. What is your filter? Is it running? And then what test kit you're using? And how many times have you added ammonia? What have you, you know, what is your ammonia and nitrite? People email us and my water quality is perfect. Well, you're asking us and maybe we have a different opinion of what's perfect. So perfect is not a number. So we need what's your pH, what's your ammonia, what's your nitrite, and maybe even your phosphate levels. We need a little information, not overboard, um, but bullet points, we, you know, some people write us very, very long, long stories. And there's the question is at the end, we could have got there a lot faster. So uh, love answering questions, but it helps uh, speed things up. If you give us some basic information about the setup and the water quality and any other things that you've added to the tank. Yep, exactly. Okay, moving on to question number six. Um, I've been using NP Active Pearls and Waste Away Liquid for about a half a year, but now I'm interested in using Away Gel. Do I need to remove the NP Active Pearls while introducing the Waste Away? No, there's no reason to do that. Um, you you want to be careful about having so many things trying to do the same thing. Uh, the, why, why, why do we offer all these different ways? We have liquid waste away. We have the pearls, which are, you know, bio pellets. We have the gels and it's a combination of what's the volume. If you have a really big tank with lots of fish, it's going to be more economical to use the NP active pearls. Cause all these, things are tools to control nitrates and phosphates, nutrients. We don't want to get them down to zero. We want to control them so they're not way high and you're growing algae. We don't want to grow cyanos or dinos or algae. So it's, it's nutrient control. And it depends upon your lifestyle in terms of how much time you have to maintain the tank. Uh, and also the size of the tank. If smaller tanks, you can use the gels really large tanks, the gels might not be economical. So we have the pearls and the liquid is to clean up everything because that's got a high concentration of the waste away bacteria. So it goes to work really fast, which is why we put that, you know, caution on there. Just don't dump this in, especially the first time. Use a small dose to, 
to prime the system. Small frequent doses are much better than just pouring a big dose in there, especially the first time, because you just don't know how your system's going to react. But in this case, the, the waste away gel will release bacteria into the system while the pearls uh, are, are you know, always growing bacteria. So my qu question to this person would be, why do you want to go with the gels? Are the pearls not working? But we have no water quality data. You know, do you have excess nitrate? What's, what's, what's the reason for adding the, the gel? Now, the one thing you, you will find doing this, the bacteria on the pearls grow on the pearls. The bacteria in the gel will release into the water column and they can keep things clean by dissolving organics that are trapped in your rock work or under your rocks. And they also, we have lots of people report that the, the glass, the inside of the glass or of the tank stays much cleaner. So they can be used together. Uh, there's no doubt about that um, and, and complementary to each other. Cool. Okay, we have another waste away question right now. I noticed the protein skimmer has been overflowing with clear water in the collection cup right after I introduced waste away. As I don't see cloudy water, how long should I remain turning off the protein skimmer? Thank you very much. So hold on. The, the person's added the waste away, but the water's over clear water's overflowing in the skimmer. So they, I guess they turned the skimmer yeah. off. Uh, it almost sounds like the skimmer isn't quite dialed in right. Right. Um, I mean, the, the waste away works best with a skimmer, which some people take to mean, well, it can't work in fresh water. No, it can work in fresh water without a skimmer, but what you're doing with the waste away is the bacteria go into your tank, they break down organics, convert that into ammonia, which is taken care of by the nitrifying bacteria. But also what the waste away bacteria do is they consume nitrates and phosphates. And they do this by assimilation. You're growing more and more bacteria. And until you remove that bacteria from the system, you haven't really removed the phosphate and the nitrate. And there's a couple of ways. If you have a bunch of coral, well, the corals are filter feeders. So they're going to feed on the bacteria in the water, the waste away bacteria, which is you get two for one there, control your nutrients and your corals get to feed and will look much better. Or your skimmer also removes bacteria so your skimmer can, re can do that. If you don't have a skimmer, you don't have corals, you can use a filter sock or what you may find if you don't have that is whatever mechanical filter you use may start clogging up a little faster, have a slime layer. And that's all the bacteria that are being grown because you have the excess nutrients. And so you can just take that blue fuzzy pad out or sponge and rinse it. A lot of people get, I can't rinse it under tap water. I'm going to kill all my nitrifiers. Your nitrifiers are all over the place. So don't worry 
about rinsing your sponge or your filter pad under some chlorinated water. Now, some people may just freak out with that, but we do it here all the time. I didn't say soak it or anything, but you just, you know, the sink, you run it out, get, you run it under the uh, faucet, and you just get rid of all that slime layer, all that buildup gunk and organic material, and put the, the sponge or the filter cartridge back in. It'll be fine. Exactly. Okay, question number eight. I ordered one and only fishless cycle to fishless cycle my tank from BRS. I noticed that it said I should it should cycle in a week. I'm on day 16 and nitrates are still high and climbing. I'm getting ready to do a partial water change. Is it possible that my bottle was dead? And then we've got a bunch of uh, information. So pH is 86. No, temperature is 86. pH is lowest 7.5. Salinity is 1.025. And then it says, I found a chart on your website that shows where it consistently should be adding ammonium. But in the video, Dr. Tim never said to add unless both ammonium and nitrite are low. Should I still be adding ammonium or not? I remember this question. Okay, so the, the chart on the website shows you what not to do. It shows you what happens when you continually add ammonia and the ammonia goes up and up because when you get the ammonia too high, the system stalls. So uh, we, we do not, we repeatedly stress this, just do not continually add ammonia blindly. If your ammonia is above two, stop adding ammonia. Let the, let the bacteria get to work. Um, I mean, we had a question yesterday and I don't know if this one in there, but the person wanted to dose four, you know, how much ammonia do I have to dose to get it up to four parts per million? Cause we recommend two. And I said, why do you want to do that? And they're keeping the axonoles. I didn't pronounce that right. How do you pronounce those artillery? Oh, the, um, axolotls. Axolotl. That's it. Yeah. And I said, fine, because they put out more waste than fish. But, but first, get the system processing too. Give the bacteria a chance to grow. And if you need to have the biofilter processing higher and higher amounts of ammonia, do it in a step, stepwise fashion. Get it to process two in 24 hours. Then get it to process three and four. But realize, as we talked about in the very first question, especially because this is going to be a freshwater tank. You're going to have to look at your alkalinity and your pH because once you start adding three, you know, enough ammonia where you're processing three, four, five parts per million a day, that's a fair amount of ammonia, which is going to produce a fair amount of the hydrogen ions, which is going to drop your pH. And once the pH drops, the system stalls. Don't freak, the bacteria are not dead but they're just not uh, converting the ammonia so fast because the low pH. So just do a big water change and get that alkalinity back up, get the pH back up and the bacteria will work much, much faster. But um, for this question, the, the person, unfortunately, you know, the, the chart is about people, this person or this facility adding ammonia like every other day. 
And that's not what you want to do. And that's why it shows the system stalling. And especially in a freshwater system, what can happen is the ammonia bacteria grow much faster than the nitrite oxidizing bacteria. So you're adding lots of ammonia. It gets a little high, but eventually starts processing. But now you're going to have sky high, just super sky high nitrite. And that's in, toxic in a freshwater system. So you're going to have lots of problems. Now, this first part of this question, the person said nitrate. And it's a 50-50 here because usually, you know, half the time when people say my nitrate is high, they mean their nitrite. And that's what I just talked about. You're adding all this ammonia, the system is processing a fair amount, but your nitrite gets super high. And this is where the system stalls um, because nitrite is toxic to both the ammonia and the nitrite oxidizing organisms that we want to grow in the aquarium environment. Um, so the only thing to do then, because you've stalled the system again, is a water change. If your nitrate is high, as this person wrote, well, that's the end of nitrification. So the, your, your system is working. Congratulations. Now what you need to do is a water change to reduce that nitrate. So much can be fixed with a water change. Yeah, pretty much everything. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Number nine, I have recently purchased a new 30 liter freshwater tank that uses ceramic media and a center air tube to cycle water through the system. Under the air tube is a filter cartridge that contains a sponge and activated carbon. The company who makes the tank recommends replacing this every month or two months, depending on the population in the tank. When using one and only, should I remove or turn off this air pump or remove the sponge? I just don't want all of the helpful bacteria to end up in the cartridge that's going to be replaced at some um, I think the person making this too complicated. The bacteria are going to grow all over the place. So um, I would not, well, if you keep the airlift off, I think that's what they're asking. Should they keep the airlift off? Then um, uh, you're not going to get anything going. As I said earlier, you've got to have the water recirculating to get the system going. And I really wouldn't remove any of those things. I wouldn't worry about where the nitrifiers are. Um, they're going to colonize areas that are stable and uh, you're making too much work for yourself. So keep everything in, keep the system, the airlift on. And uh, what you can do is add the waste away liquid once in a while or put a gel in there to reduce the organics to help reduce the clogging in the system. But I wouldn't worry about trying to guess where the nitrifiers are. They're everywhere. All right. Number 10, I'm wanting to use First Defense, EcoBalance, and Waste Away gel pods. Can these products be used in the same tank? Once my aquarium is established, it seems the process should be water chains change using aqua cleanse, 
then add first defense, wait seven days and add eco balance and just replace the gels when needed. Is this correct? Thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. So th they can be used in the same tank. You just don't want to add the eco balance and the first defense together on the first day, on the same day. Sorry about that. So when you're doing a partial water change, we recommend you just use um, first defense. Aqua cleanse is when you're doing a big giant water change or you've got a lot of ammonia to uh, take care of because that does remove ammonia. First defense does not get rid of ammonia. It gets rid of chlorine and chloramines. But when you're doing a partial water change, you don't have to worry about any ammonia because you have nitrifying bacteria to take care of that. So I would change that and use first defense to dechlorinate your water. It also has immunostimulant and vitamins that help your fish. Add that and then wait two days. You don't need to wait seven days. Wait, wait 48 hours and then add your eco balance and keep the gel in there. The gel is emitting a small amount of bacteria into the system and you don't have to worry about um, what waste away or first defense does to those bacteria. So that's not a problem. It's just the eco balance or waste away liquids are so much more concentrated that you do risk a bacterial bloom if you're adding first defense on the same day, you add either one of those because first defense has lots of vitamins, which are organics, which are what these bacteria feed on. So adding first defense the same day you add equal balance or waste away is kind of like dumping lighter fluid on a lit barbecue. Really not a good idea. No, definitely. Definitely don't do that. But that was a good question. Yes, it was. Yeah. Okay. And we actually, if you go to our website, we have a blog post I wrote or something that talks about what to use with what and in an order. We have a guide in there of a 30, um, like a four week cycle, 28 or 30, maybe a five week, 35 day cycle of what products to use. And it realized these are guidelines. They're not absolute Bible um, because, it, because again, every tank is different. You know, how often you have to do water changes. An easy way to monitor that is the pH. Why? Because the pH is going to drop. So if you really want to get into how much, how often do I have to change water? I mean, out here in the West, we're going to start water rationing soon. Um, everybody, you know, needs to chip in and conserve. Well, measure pH, measure at the same uh, time each day and chart that. And you'll see over time, your pH is going to drop. And at some point, it'll drop a little, you know, fair amount. And that's when you need, that tells you, okay, it dropped a lot between days 15 and 16. So days 12 to 14, that's when I need, need to really be doing a water change. And the more fish you have, the more feed you feed, the more often you're going to have to do water changes. Yep, exactly. Okay, let's see. Let's say we're on number 11, I think. Yep. I've been battling diatoms in my two and a half year old system for about a week now. I know diatoms are food for bacteria. 
would it be advisable to use Dr. Tim's one and only on an established system to help fight off diatoms? I used it once when I set up the system and once after beating dinoflagellates. Is my system already familiar with the product? So, so my system is already familiar with the product. Thanks in advance. Well, one and only is really not going to um, help directly in this case because it's nitrifying bacteria. But what it can do and what we do recommend is if you've got a lot of organics or you're battling a problem and you're using our refresh and waste away, realize that you're going to produce a lot of organics, you know, dead, dead cells are organics. And as the bacteria decay, those organics, they're going to produce ammonia. So there's where you want for the secondary production of ammonia, make sure you have one and only in the system. And if you're battling things, a lot of times people are cleaning the gravel, cleaning the filter. They're really trying to clean the system to get all the organics out. And you, the more you clean in a short period of time, the more you risk of reducing the nitrifying population find bacteria population. So then you'd want to add some one and only into the system. But in, you know, it's easy to know if you need to add one and only if you, if you can measure a little bit of ammonia or especially nitrite. Nitrite oxidizing bacteria are the ones that get upset soonest. You should really never have measurable nitrite in your system. If you do, that's an indication that your system is out of balance. You, you don't have enough filtration. You're, you're overfeeding. You've got too many fish in the tank. You don't have enough biofilter combinations of all these things. It's, it's just, you never should be able to measure nitrite in an established system. So that just tells you, you got to make some changes and maybe several changes uh, to the system. Okay. Number 12. Ooh, this is a good one. Um, hello. I'm curious about which of the EcoBalance products that I should use between the freshwater and the saltwater formulas that would be best suited for a brackish system. Thanks. Well, uh, brackish, we recommend using the saltwater. The saltwater bacteria in both the one and only the waste away EcoBalance have a wider salinity tolerance than the freshwater bacteria. The freshwater bacteria, whether it's nitrifiers or the heterotrophs in the waste away and things, do good until you get up to about eight parts per thousand, part, yeah, eight parts per thousand salinity. Uh, and then they don't do very well. Whereas the salt water, the marine version can actually go down and, and does fine. Uh, they can go down to you know, four, six, so brackish water, use the marine version of the bacteria. And this is a good time to say, I'm using the word marine because there is no difference between our saltwater version and our reef version. We get this, you know, I, people panic. Oh, I got a, a, a reef tank and I just added your saltwater bacteria. Am I going to kill everything? No, saltwater, reef, it's all, you know, marine water water with salt in it. The bacteria are exactly the same in our formulas and you're not going to harm anything by that. It's just, it's just some places prefer a salt water labeled product and other places prefer a reef labeled product. 
And if you're listening to this, please take pictures of your tank. I always enjoy seeing brackish systems. It's not something that you see that often. So we would love to see pictures of your tank. Please send them on social media and tag us in your photos. Ooh, okay, next question number 13 is an ASF question. Um, lights. I've seen photos that you guys have shared online. There was an article Reef Builders did. How much do these lights run and are they anemone grade? I've never heard the term anemone grade, have you? Admittedly, that is a new one for me as well. I'm assuming anemone grade means or do they put out enough uh you know, light to keep the symbiotic organisms alive in the anemone. And if, if that's what that means, then the answer is, is yes, but there's always a caveat because it depends on how deep your tank is because you're looking for that blue light, which penetrates water the deepest, but luckily, um, or not luckily, we designed it <laughs> on purpose. We have these uh, new um, Pro-10 LED lights where they're 100% blue. So you've got um, a marine version that's got a combination of, of different types of LEDs. And then you've got another one that has 100% of the blue LEDs. And of course, you can mix and match these depending upon your tank and the animals you're keeping and the depth of your tanks and stuff like that. So those lights are available now. Just uh, got a new shipment in. Um, they run, you can control them with an app that you can download. Um, and this information is on our website or will be on our website. And uh, what they run. Hold on a second. Um, and while he's looking for that, if you are having trouble finding this, please send us a message um, on social media. We'd be happy to send you a direct link for these lights. Right. And I mean, it depends. We make, like I say, there's a freshwater version, marine version, and a reef blue, reef blue version is the almost 100% blue LEDs. And they come in lengths up to uh, five feet, right? 1500 millimeters. Yeah, about five feet, uh, over four feet. And so they, they list from anywhere over, just over $100 to almost $400, depending upon the type of unit and the length of the unit. Yeah. I gotta say, I have them on all but one of my tanks. My reef tank is a little small, but uh, my main tanks have these lights. And I love them. And you can do all sorts of things. You can ramp them up. You can do the lightning uh, with the blue lights. You can fade those out and have the moonlight and do all sorts of different effects. They're pretty cool. And they're um, now this does not give anyone permission to put these lights underwater. Yes. I was hoping you no, were going to say this. No, you can't. <laughs> Even though there's a, a long time picture because they've you know had one of these lights at ASF under you know in the water for going on two years. No, you can't. But the cool thing about these is, you know, 
they're over water, which means at some point they're in the water, you know, stuff happens. Uh, and they got a are... cowfish that spits water at them. <laughs> okay. That's a new one. Uh, they, they, uh, you don't want to say waterproof, but they can be in the water and they're not going to uh, get ruined. Uh, unplug them, obviously, before you put your hand there. Practice safety, just assume. Uh, and then, you know, dry them out and um, you don't have to bury them in a, a bucket of rice to dry them out. They're, they're sealed and they're really, really nice, really nice lamps. Yep. Okay. Do we have time for one last question? Sure. Bonus question. Bonus question. All right. Number 14, I've used secondhand macro rock. It's leaching out some phosphate into the water. My Hannah checker is reading 0.248 ppm. Normally, I just use phosphate RX to knock these down to 0.03 ppm, but I don't have any filters on the system yet, and I don't know if phosphate RX will affect the one and only. Please. You there, Hitler? Yep. Did you, you catch any of that? You faded out at the end because uh, there's some interference or something. So the question is, the person's using this chemical to reduce the phosphate down to 0.03, and they're worried that that may be too low for the one and only? Didn't get the end. Yep. Yeah, well, I don't have any filters on the system yet, and I don't know if phosphate RX will affect the one and only. Do you know, I, I don't know what phosphate RX is. Is it a liquid? I believe so. Um, most likely, um, if it's a liquid, it's probably a, you know, lanthium or something like that. And it won't affect directly the nitrifying bacteria. But when you're cycling, uh, I don't really like to try to control phosphate and nitrate. And our recommendation is, you know, don't have pearls. Don't be adding waste away bacteria. Um, don't be adding chemicals trying to control the phosphate because the nitrifying bacteria need phosphate. So uh, what, what I would recommend is don't add anything to treat the aged or secondhand rock and let the, let the one and only get established, have lots of water flow through the system. Once the system can handle the ammonia, then you can do a water change and also then start adding uh, chemicals or however you want to do to control the phosphate. But if you, Start adding things in the very beginning. You're, you're going to extend your nitrifying cycle. The nitrifiers need to get established. And one thing they definitely do not like is super low phosphate levels. So I would, uh, I would not um, use anything at, in the very beginning. All right, excellent advice as always. Well, that wraps up all the questions that I've got for us for today.
But if you have a burning question that you would like to have answered, please send us a message. You can reach out on Facebook, Instagram, um, leave it in one of the YouTube comments, or you can send us an email and we'd be happy to get your questions answered. Okay. Well, thanks everyone. Uh, this has been a nice session, Hilly. Lots of varied questions about all sorts of things. Um, so we appreciate it. And until next time, this is Dr. Tim and Hillary, and this has been the Dr. Tim's Aquatics podcast. Thanks everyone. Like. <laughs>